0: Tēnā koutou e katoa, uh, mō te mea tūtahi, e mihi ana ki te atua. Uh, pā, tēnā koe, e pā, tēnā koe. Uh, tēnā koe mō tēnei hahi, mō enei mō tēnei whānau. Uh, ko koe te timatanga me te whatakamutunga, ko koe te kaihanganga mea katoa. E pā, haramai tō koroi arohā ki runga ki tēnā, ki tēnā mātou, mō tēnei rā, mō āpōpō, mō, āpōpō, mō ake tonu ate. Āmini. Mō te e tuarua, mihiana ki te mana uh, ki a Ngāti Whātua, mihiana kia rātai nga te mea, uh, e noho ana I rotu i tō rātai whenua uh, ki tāma ki Makaurau, no reira, mihiana kia rātai. Uh, uh, kia a koutou katoa uh, e te hāhi o Hatua Kanatihi, uh, Saint Augustine's Whānau, mihiana kia a koutou uh, ki ngā rangatira, ki ngā o te uh, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou, tēnā koutou katoa. Uh, ko Waiahau, i te taha o toki mama, ko e iwi, i itataha rangi i papa, uh, ko Hikurangi me motetau ngā maunga, ko taiki ki tau mārere me ramarama ngāawa, ko Ngātoki Matafaurua te waka, ko nga Hine me ngāpuhi o ku iwi, ko Ngāti tahapu, te hapū, ko motetau te morai. Uh, tōku turu tamariki, ko Isaiah Rato, ko Ellie chali, charlie ko Stacey takuwahine, uh, Sam Hinari, So kia ora everybody, uh, my name is Sam Hinari and I just want to say it is my absolute honour uh, and my privilege to get to open up the Gospel of John with you guys today. Uh, some of you may not know me or my whānau, uh, we're relatively new. Uh, to Saint Augustine's and to Auckland, we actually moved up to Auckland at the beginning of the year. Man, what a what a bad time uh, to move up to Auckland at the beginning of this year. Uh, but here we are. We've moved up to Auckland, and I just want to say thank you so much, Etifano, uh, for your guys Manakitanga that you showed to me and to Alfano, to my far note. Like since coming into Saint Augustine's. Like we've just been blown away with how you guys have welcomed us. We love being there. We love the worship. We've been loving the word as it's been opened up to us time after time. And we just love the acceptance that you guys have had for us and, and for the whanau. So again, thank you so much and, uh, for just extending your manaakitanga to us. So as I said, it's my privilege to continue with this series of John. So as every other message has kind of opened up with giving you a bit of the context of what we're talking about here with John is that the people of Israel are in their own kind of exile, right, so that they're kind of, they're ruled by the Romans, uh, kind of under Roman, yeah, under Roman rule, under Roman authority, and so they're in their own kind of little exile, and in the same way, we are in our kind of own little exile at the moment, aren't we, uh, being in lockdown, uh, in our own kind of exile. So as I said before, yeah, wrong time to move to Auckland. Uh, it's been going on for a while now, right, so things are beginning to get quite hard. Uh, we've had two of our three kids' birthdays has been in uh, lockdown, um, which has been been quite rough on them. But it's funny how we adapt, right? So we begin to um, to do different things. And so for their birthday, originally we we're supposed to have all our whanau come up from Wellington for it, but that obviously hasn't happened. And so what we ended up doing is having big sleepovers in the lounge, big Skype sessions with all the family, um, and so. I think what we've done is we've actually created a kind of our own little family tradition now, where for everyone's birthday we're going to be having sleepovers in the lounge with the mattress and having a movie night, which they just absolutely love. So we're adapting, right? But things are hard. We're getting tired, we're getting worn down. Uh, I think I, me and my wife, turn to each other quite often at the end of the day and say that we feel like we're kind of feel like we're being a worse husband or a worse wife, or worse, uh, a worse parent. A worse student, things are just hard, right? Things are just dragging on, so it is hard. But although things are hard, we're beginning to, I don't know about you guys, but almost there's a sense of the ordinariness, if that's a word, about what's happening now, right? We're beginning to get stuck into this kind of, it's still hard, but it's, we're beginning to build routines, right? It's begins the beginning. Things are beginning to feel a little bit more normal. So we, you know, we have our routines, wake up in the morning, straight downstairs for our, our coffee and toast, pretty, Pretty much every morning, coffee goes on straight away. Uh, Then it's back upstairs, getting stuck into work for the day, into studies for the day. Come down 11 o'clock, get the kids done, get them sorted ready for their lunch so that they can go and have a rest. Uh, Then back up, back upstairs to my little uh, room for study again. And and you know, (coughs) we are beginning to develop these little routines now, right? And in the same way that we're beginning to develop these kind of routines, this is kind of where we find Jesus. Uh, in his situation, Israel, you know, there's almost like a, a, they are under Roman rule and authority, but there's a normalness to it now, right? Things, things have been like that for a long time. And this is where we find Jesus going to this wedding in Cana. So looking at these different weddings, like culturally, weddings were different then. Uh, me and my wife, we used to live in, uh, in Phnom Penh in Cambodia. And weddings in Phnom Penh are a completely different thing to weddings in Aotearoa. So what would happen is they'd set up these big tents that would get set up and uh, these tents would go in the middle of the road, in the middle of the road. So that's fine if you're like on a, on a highway because these things would go up in the middle of the road on the highway, but they'd almost be pushed to the side. But there's parts of Phnom Penh which are kind of uh, curvy and, 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 and small roads as it is. And then what happens is you put this big tent in the middle of the, of the street and there's actually no way for you to get past. Uh, so again, this is probably okay if you uh, if you know where you're going, but for us who, when we first arrived there, we trying to navigate this, what we thought was a bit of a maze anyway, would then kind of, the one way we knew how to get somewhere would then be just blocked by this big tent and we'd have to turn around and go a, a different way. So there's weddings in Cambodia, like loud, lots of people. Like when I say loud, like it is loud, loud, loud. Um, They'd go on for about three or four days, uh, music blaring all the way through the day and the night. Uh, You know, they're completely different from what we're used to in Aotearoa. And again, the wedding that Jesus walks into is a completely different thing again. So the wedding that, that Jesus would have walked to, they were celebrating these two young people getting married, uh, the town that, that they were in probably would have seen these young people growing up, so there was a sense of celebration as the community comes together to celebrate these two young people. You know that saying, it takes a village to raise a child. Well, these these two people would have been raised in this place, and so it was a real coming together. It would have been big and probably lasted around up to, you know, it could have been up to seven days. Uh, key parts of this wedding was the kai, right? A key part... Key part to any good wedding, right, is the kai, but also the wine was a big part of this event. And so when the wine runs out on the third day, this is bad news for the couple. This is like, this is a really bad look. I mean, to be fair, for Western weddings, it can be quite awkward if the wine was to run out, if we were suddenly to share only water with the guests. But in these days, it was a really bad thing. Lots of public shame for them as a couple, public shame for their whanau as well. And also for this to happen on their wedding day, is almost like a bad omen, a bad sign for things that are to come for their marriage. So Jesus steps in and he really saves the day, saves this couple and their whanau from this extreme humiliation. Now this has been described as Jesus's first sign. So what is a sign? Well, a sign is, you know, kind of like when we're driving down the street and we see a sign on the side of the road. Say it's a a sign and it's saying, a road sign this way to Hamilton. Now, I don't know about you guys when we get out of lockdown, if the first place you want to go to is Hamilton or not, then that's up to you. But say it's a sign that says Hamilton. The sign is not the main important thing in itself, but what the sign is doing is it is pointing to something else, to the bigger thing, to the better thing. And in the same way, the sign that Jesus uh, does, the, the miracle that he performs is pointing to something which is far bigger than this actual miracle itself. So what's it pointing to? Well, it's pointing to a, a revelation of who Jesus is, a revelation of who, Je, of who Jesus is as the master of the banquet. So what is this master of the banquet? So the master of the banquet, it was their role uh, really to facilitate the wedding, to uh, organise the guests. Uh, to make sure that everyone was happy. They had a responsibility over the guests to make sure the guests were being well looked after and enjoying their time there, to make sure that the wedding runs smoothly. Now, I've had the honor of uh, emceeing a wedding before and it's uh, kind of a different kind of role in emceeing a wedding in, in our context. It's kind of uh, trying to be funny, trying to be a little, you know, having a few kind of digs at the groom when you can. Um, but also, you are also trying to keep the wedding to uh, a schedule, to a timetable, overseeing the wedding like that, so a little bit similar. Uh, another key role that I had when I was it was organizing people for the wedding photos. I tell you what, what a nightmare that is, organizing people for the, especially the whanau. All right, I know if you are those type of people who are the whanau of the bride or the groom, don't go and talk to auntie or to uncle that you haven't seen in years. Okay, no, no, let's stand still nicely so that the person emceeing the wedding can get you into the right place so you're there in time for the photos. i tell you what, it's like herding sheep uh, when I was trying to get this family together. But that was our role for it. So when Jesus steps in, when and uh, when Jesus steps in and changes the water into wine, he is taking on the role of the master of the banquet. He is taking on that role because he has now got an oversight for the guests and making sure that the guests are okay and that they are, uh, getting what they need to get to enjoy the rest of the wedding. Now, calling Jesus the master of the banquet, it just kind of feels a little bit awkward for me. Uh, I struggle with that terminology, calling him the master of of the banquet, because when we when we read about Jesus, he seems to not ca- overly come as the the master, or you know the the leading rangatira at the front, but he seems he comes as the in humility and and in a humble coming, that he comes to serve. It says that he's obedient, obedient to death, even death on a cross, you know, obedient to the will of the Father. So how does this make sense? Well, by Jesus referring, revealing himself as master of the banquet, he is putting the rest of his ministry in context. Now, we're going to hold there because I'm going to come back to how that makes sense in a minute. So Jesus' mother asked him to help. Can you help them? And Jesus gives a very strange response. He says, woman, why do you involve me? My hour has not yet come. Now, when we read that from a, a more of a Western context, when I read that from a, as a Pākehā Māori, it, it comes across quite rude, right? Woman, why, why, why do you involve me? It comes across quite strange. And sometimes when we read things like this in the Bible, we go, can kind of look and say, well, are we reading it correctly then? And to be honest, in this situation, we kind of are, like it's a strange thing for Jesus to say, for him to say, woman, why, do you, why, why are you bothering me? What's going on? Why are you involving me? It's a strange thing for him to say. Um, and when we look at the rest of the gospel, Jesus doesn't behave like that. He doesn't uh, talk to his mum like that or to other people in that, that kind of a way. So why does he do that? And then he goes on and says um, that my hour has not yet come. Well, what's he talking about with this hour? It's always seemed very strange to me. And so the term hour and through the Gospel of John is often used to refer to Jesus' death, you know, the hour of his death. So again, this is a weird thing for Jesus to say, like, woman, why are you involving me? Now is not yet the time of my death. Like, how does that make sense? It's a very strange thing for Jesus to say. But what he's doing is Jesus is acknowledging that this is the beginning of his ministry. This is the beginning of his time to minister. And he knows that at the end of his ministry, his death is coming, right? We can see that he foretells that his death will come. So he knows that by getting involved here, by turning the water into wine, this is the beginning of his ministry. And his ministry is going to be some ups and downs, but it's going to, at the end of it, it's going to be his death. This is what's coming through. Um, however, it, does, it isn't actually going to finish with his death, is it? Because we know that his resurrection will come through. And in a strange way, it's, it's strange to think that Jesus is the master of the banquet here. And as he looks out across his life, which is to come, he knows that even though he goes through the ups and the downs, there's going to be a time when he's master of the banquet again. That he is, there's going to be a time when he looks out across his bride at this other bridal feast, this perfect feast, uh, when the church joins with the lamb and, uh, you know, and singing holy, holy, holy. There's this strange kind of tension. So when, when Jesus asked to turn water into wine, Maybe he's kind of sitting there thinking about all the things that is coming. So when he says, my hour is not yet come, you know, maybe there's a hesitancy for Jesus to do this. And we see that again in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus is terrified about what's to come that he's sweating blood, but ultimately Jesus obeys. Yeah. So Jesus's first miracle is putting the rest of his ministry in context. He is the master of the banquet. He is God, Lord of all, and he will suffer But it's all a means to the end. At the end of all, in the new heavens and earth, he will again be the master of the banquet. And now we can view Jesus as the master of the banquet in three different contexts that I want to present to you today. Firstly, Jesus is the master of the banquet in our past. Now, even though Mary was unable to kind of know, she she didn't know that Jesus could do these amazing miracles. She hadn't seen any of these before. She still turned to the servant and said, do whatever you tell him to do. Now for us, luckily, we can look back. We've got the Bible and we know that Jesus has proved himself faithful time and time again. Now we're people of Papa. as Māori we're people of Papa. but as Christians, we are also people of Papa, right? So we can look back into the Bible and see the good works that Jesus has done. We can see his faithfulness, the times that he has stepped out and stepped in and intervened for people. And not just in the Bible, but we can also see that in our own lives. I'm sure all of us have got stories where we can think back in the past and say, that's right, that's when Jesus stepped in for me. And, uh, and he pulled through for me. Or again, we can look with our, talk with our friends, talk with our father, and go, yes, we can look back in the past and see how Jesus, the master of the banquet, interceded at that point. And in the same way that Jesus stepped in for this couple and turned the water into wine, he's done so and we can see it in our past and then through the scriptures. Secondly, Jesus is the master of the banquet in the future. He is the master of the banquet, the banquet which is to come. The banquet where there will be no more tears, no more pain. Where people from all tribes and tongue will gather around the throne in their own language, using their own tikanga. They will stand around the throne crying, Holy, Holy, Holy is the Lamb. Jesus is the Lord of the banquet in the future. And although we can sit now in our own hardships and things are tough right now, right? Things can be hard right now. But we know that there is a future that is coming where everything will be perfect, where Jesus will restore the earth, where the heavens will be restored, where Jesus will come and make all things new. That is the future that us as Christians, if your life is in Christ, then we are able to have that future and have that hope of that future. And lastly, Jesus is the master of the banquet for us today. The master of the banquet is present right now. And he is responsible for the running of things and for the well-being of the guests. He is aware of our circumstances. Just as he stepped in for that couple, he will step in for us. Now, at the beginning of this lockdown, uh, me and my wife were very optimistic. And we thought, what we're going to do is we're going to make sure that we spend lots of time with God. You know, it's a a time where things are going to be scaled back a little bit. But in the morning and every night, we're going to make sure we spend time with God. Yeah, that definitely has not worked out like we wanted it to. Um, But that doesn't mean that Jesus is just leaving us like that because over that time, even though we've struggled to find times to meet with God, He has broken through into our lives and has spoken to us. I mean, a week ago, my wife was woken in the middle of the night with Jesus reminding her of His sovereignty, that He is sovereign, that He is God, that He is Lord of all, that He is master of the banquet. So this was my wife, woken up at five in the morning, which is kind of a little bit rude because five in the morning, we got young kids. But he woke up at five in the morning and my wife woke up going, saying to me, Sam, remember God is sovereign in this situation. That Although we're finding things hard, we know that he is sovereign. What had just happened is the master of the banquet had broken through the, the boringness, the monotony of what we were doing, broken into a situation which we were finding hard and he was declaring that he is sovereign and that he is Lord, For all of us, we are in our different routines. We've got different ways we deal with things. And I think for lots of us, one of these ways we deal with it is we go for our, our daily walk, right? I think uh, Andy last week was making a few jokes about how we would go for our rubbish little walk around the block or something like that, and how you know it's not that exciting anymore. We've probably all done all the trails around our houses. Um, for me, going for a walk is one of the best ways that I meet with God. I love to go for a walk 45 minutes to an hour, put on my headphones, listen to some worship music or listen to a podcast. And that's when I'll be able to thrash things through with God, talk about how I'm feeling and uh, kind of just be aware of him speaking to me. Now, one of the times recently, I was going on one of these walks and they haven't been that exciting, to be honest, recently during lockdown. I I can't remember what I was listening to. It wasn't even something Christian. I was listening to some music that has kind of just been left on on my phone, some kids music, some Disney kids music or something like that. And I'm going for this walk. And as I'm walking, I just noticed this, um, this piwaka waka that was following me, a fantail. And as I was going for this walk, walking down, this, this, it begins to dance along behind me. And I thought, oh, that's strange. And, and our, uh, for many of our uh, Māori whānau, when, they, uh, when you begin to have a bit more of an awareness of nature, kapai, so just being aware of it, I thought, oh, that's, that's very strange, this, this fantail following me. And so I kept going for my walk and it, and it kept coming, kept following me. And honestly, this piwaka waka probably followed me for about five or 10 minutes as I was going on my walk, a long, long time. And, you know, it might not have been God speaking to me in any drastic way or anything like that. But what I knew was at that moment, I felt God saying that he's near, he's with me and he understands, again, the sovereignty of God. Uh, And it was just, even though I was feeling bored and I was finding things hard, God found a way to break through and to remind me that he is the master of the banquet in this situation. So I have a challenge for you, Etifano, over the next week or the next few weeks. And that is to be aware of the master of the banquet. Be aware of him as he's finding ways to break in and to speak to you. Now, part of it might be that as he did with my wife, that he just woke her in the middle of the night. And that might happen for you. Maybe God will come through in this amazing way that out of nowhere, you think, oh, wow, this is definitely God. You know, that doesn't overly happen for me in that same way. But that might happen for you. The other thing I really want to challenge you to do is through this hard time is position yourself to hear from God. Position yourself to hear from him. And God will begin to speak. He will break through into your hard situation and he will remind you that he is a master, he is sovereign. He will break through into these situations just like that, just like he did for this young couple. He will pull through for you. But position yourself. Maybe when you're going for your walk, maybe it is, instead of just going for a walk and looking at things, I might put on some worship music. The team here at St. Augustine's is always providing new, uh, new music on, uh, for us to listen to, some different play, playlists for us to put on. Why don't you just listen to some of that and just go for a walk? See what God is saying to you. God, he might come in and remind you of sovereignty and help you in the, in the midst of where you are, but let's not just limit it to that. You know, God has a habit of talking to people in exile. We look at people like Moses and Elijah and all these other stories, again, where people of up. right? When we look back in our history, we can see how God has broken in and talked to people in exile. And not just in ways to remind them that he is God, but plans for their future, amazing plans for their lives. Let's be open and receptive, positioning ourselves in places where we can hear what God is saying to us. Not just about the, the, the small needs that we have at the moment or the, or the big needs that we have at the moment, but also for our futures. What is God saying to us as a church, as a whanau? What is God speaking into our situations? What I would love also to encourage you to do is after you've begun to hear from what God is saying to you, let's talk about it. You know, we're in community, in, in hapuri together. In, we're a whanau, a church whana. Let's, If you go out for your walk and you hear God speaking to you, why don't you just hit someone up? It doesn't have to be the pastor or a leader. We all have friends, we're a community together. You know, it's so encouraging for me when someone comes up to me and says, oh, Sam, I just heard God speaking to me today. I do you know, that just builds my encouragement because I go, that's right, God still speaks. That's right, I was having a down day, but now I remember that God is sovereign and eternal and he speaks to us, he speaks to his people. And it might be about small things, it might be going, oh, today God just reminded me of his sovereignty and oh wow, can you, can you pray for me for that? Oh, I'd love to pray for you about that, about the sovereignty of God and giving our problems to him. But it might be other things to do with our future bigger things. Oh, I feel God is talking to me about maybe next year. I wasn't sure about this job thing that I'm doing. I feel God telling me to go this way. Or, my final we got this struggling with this situation. I feel God has given me guidance in that situation. Talk to your friends about it. Talk to other Christians about it so that they can pray for you and they can share in that and be built up and encourage each other. Remember, iron sharpens iron. And also, remember, sometimes the master of the banquet will speak to you, but sometimes he will use the, the manuhiri or the guests to speak to you about situations as well. So on closing, itifano, let us remember three things. Let us remember his past faithfulness. Let us look through the scriptures, look through the own stories of our own lives and look at his past faithfulness, knowing that he will never leave us or forsake us. Let us look to the master of the banquet today, to his present nearness in our times of trouble, know that the Master is near and he has a responsibility to look after us. Let us be aware of his nearness. And thirdly, let us look to the Master of the banquet, to this banquet of the future, that although things are hard now, they're not always going to be like that. There will be a time when there will be no more pain and no more tears. Kapai, kapai. Let me pray to finish. Father I just want to acknowledge you that you are the God you are the master of this banquet in the past in the present in the future and father we cling onto you in this moment we find things hard but we cling onto you master of the banquet knowing that you have a responsibility for us for our well-being and knowing that as you have pulled through in the past you will pull through now. You will pull through again in the future. And we look again to that future. And we claim that in our situation now that you are the master of the banquet. You are sovereign and you are Lord. Father, we give it to you. kapai